Heavenly Father, that is very, very real to me, and I know to many, if not all, that are here tonight, streaming out over the, the internet. And Lord, we've gathered tonight, we've gathered at this time. It might not be night somewhere where this service is being watched, but Lord, you're the same everywhere in this world. Distance is nothing with you, Lord. And Father, we just count it an honor to serve you. Lord, I count it an honor just to be your servant. And I don't ever want to take for granted standing behind the sacred desk, handling your word. As Lord, we thought today, even talking about it with the brothers before the service, every time it's a fearful time. Every time, Lord, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not something, Lord, that we just step up behind the pulpit and we don't want our opinions, Lord. Lord, we lay aside our own opinions. We lay aside the thoughts of man. We desire, Lord, the unveiled word of God. We want nothing but the anointed word of the hour. Not our feelings, not our emotions, not our desires or ambitions. Lord, come and take complete control tonight. Lord, it's no different than any other time. Somebody might be facing a great battle tomorrow or the day after that. They might not make it till Sunday, Lord. They might be in the hospital. They might be, uh, they might be in a, a great trial against the enemy. And they need something from you tonight, Lord. So we pray, Lord, you'll just move us all out of the way. And that you will take the preeminence in this service tonight. You know every thought, every intent, every heart. And you know our footsteps. We believe they're ordered of you, Lord. As we commit ourselves to you, we pray as we turn back the pages of your Bible. Lord, make it ever so real to us tonight. Make it more real than ever before as we commit ourselves into your hands for the next few moments together. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 13. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Joshua 13. I want to read a few scriptures. And, uh, and then we'll have you have your seats while I remain standing. Joshua 13 and verse 1. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. You might remember this scripture. Brother Biskel ministered on it. He said, this is the land that yet remaineth all the borders of the Philistines and all Geshuri from, excuse me if I don't get the names right, from Sihor, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to, to the Canaanite, five lords of the Philistines, Gazathites, Ashdodites, uh, and so on and so on. Verse 4. 
from the south, all the land of the Canaanites and Maria, which is beside the Sidonians, unto Aphek to the borders of the Amorites and the land of the Gibelites and all Lebanon toward the sun rising from Baal Gad under Mount Hermon under the entering in of Hamath. All the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon unto Mesopotamia and the Sidonians, them will I drive out from before the children of Israel. Only divide thou it by lot unto the Israelites for an inheritance as I have commanded thee. Now therefore divide this land for an inheritance unto the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. And then he goes on to say two and a half tribes had their inheritance on the other side of the river. So he comes now here to Joshua 13. They've been in the land about five, six years. They fought many battles. The land, they're now at peace and God has given the rest, but there's still much land to possess. All right. Now let's just turn over to chapter 23. I really had it on my heart to study the book of Joshua, and there's many things in this book as we, um, we know Joshua parallels Ephesians. We know we've come to an Ephesian age. And so as a church, not another church age, not the church, the Ephesian church age, but an Ephesian age, an age of maturity, an age of possessing the land. And so Joshua is a parallel. Now, uh, while you're standing, I'll just say, Brother Branham was a great typologist. I'm not a great typologist. I don't know many preachers that are, but Brother Branham brought things out of the Scripture, brought things to life and to light that we would have never seen outside of this message. All right? and, and so there are things laying in this message that are they're not unique to the message, but God shone a light on his word specifically for this age so that we could know exactly where we're living, where we're standing, who we are, what we are to do. God did not leave us without an answer. Amen. Amen. So Joshua chapter 23 and verse 1. Now, I want you to notice in chapter 13, God says to Joshua, you're old and well stricken in years, and there's much land to be possessed. Now in chapter 23, and verse 1, it says, And it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. Now I noticed that Brother Branham, or Brother Branham, Brother Biscoe rather, said that this was seven years after chapter 13. All right. My Bible said it was 17 years, so I don't know what chronology. They don't actually know exactly how many years it was because the Bible itself doesn't say. They're estimating it and going according to history and that sort of thing. But my point is that God said to Joshua, you're old and well stricken, but divide the land for an inheritance. Then, after whether 7 or 17 years doesn't matter, now it describes Joshua and says, now Joshua was old and well stricken. I want you to notice the next verse. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. All right, so 
God said it back there, and whether it took seven or 17 years for Joshua to get the revelation, I'm old and well-stricken in age. This is the first time Joshua says it. All right? So you see, sometimes God speaks something to us, and it takes a while for it to sink in. All right? And, and, and it isn't always instant. Joshua, in chapter 13, doesn't immediately turn around and says, I'm old and we need to possess the land. No, he, said, he begins to do the work that God has given him to do. But now he comes to the end of his life, and uh, certainly the book of Joshua is a good read for you. And he says, I am old and well stricken in age, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done unto all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he that has fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot all these nations that remain to be for an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them. Notice how he says it. He shall expel them from before you and drive them out from your sight and you shall possess the land, their land, as the Lord your God has promised unto you. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. We could certainly read many more scriptures here. And... Uh, and the next scripture, Joshua admonishes them to stay in the word. Now, I want you to, I want to speak tonight on distractions from the inheritance. And I see this first, the, the title slide is up there and it says inheritance distracted or possessing. That's if it's, if you're a son or a daughter of God tonight, you have an inheritance. The inheritance has never changed. As a matter of fact, the word inheritance means something that is given by possession or for possession forever. Or in other words, without being able to be taken back. God never wrote you in his will to write you out of his will. Amen. Amen. Earthly parents can write you out of their will. I know what it is to come into the message of the hour and be written out of the will and, and all these kinds of things that earthly people have their ideas. They have an idea. They change their mind. God cannot lie. Amen. He cannot change his mind. He cannot have a better idea. He has a purpose in that he, he declared your name in the Lamb's book of life, which is also the book of inheritance before the foundation of the world. And we are walking through this earthly journey in a, in a great redemptive purpose of God. Amen? We're part of a greater purpose. A lot of times we get very closed off in our minds and in our, in our lives, and we, we see this thing happening and that thing happening, and this go this direction and that go that direction, but nothing's out of order. The big picture is not out of order. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Who he foreknew, he did predestinate, Brother John preached on it last week, to be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, whom he predestinated, them he also called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, he's already glorified. You're already in your inheritance in God's thoughts. We're just living out the redemptive purpose of God in a time realm. Although, and I like the way Brother Bissell said it a while back, he says, but this message has connected us to eternity. 
It has literally connected us. We're no longer just bound by time constraints. When things naturally go sideways, we can actually say it doesn't matter because God's in control. <clears throat> Are you with me tonight? And that's the great revelation that we need to catch in each one of our lives. You know, Moses, as he interceded for Israel on the mountain as God said, Moses, you need to get down from the mountain because Israel has defiled themselves and they're, they're now in the camp living uh, uncleanly. And, and Moses began to intercede for them. It was certainly the spirit of Christ in Moses. And he says to God, he says, remember Abraham and Isaac. This is chapter 32 of Exodus, if you want to write that down for later. But he said, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Amen. Amen. God spoke that. Moses reminded God of his promise. He said, Lord, you said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, they might not be living very good now, but you said to Abraham that these shall inherit it. They might not be living the way they ought to be living. Sometimes, you know, we, all, we, we need to claim that for our own children. Brother Tom reminded us on Sunday of how that, that God inspired Brother Biskel to say something in a service, in a camp meeting. I give you your children. I was in that meeting. Matter of fact, one of my children was in that meeting whose soul I'm claiming. I can remember exactly where I was sitting, exactly where I was in the service, and, and exactly how I was moved when Brother Bisco spoke those words, just like you said. And you latch onto them and realizing that wasn't just a man. That was God moving a man to say something. And sometimes we have to go back. And that's where Brother Tom took us on Sunday. You got to go back and remind God. He wasn't reminding you. He was reminding God, I believe it was you that said, through Brother Biscoe, I give you your children. I believe you spoke it. I'm reminding you, it doesn't matter where my son is. It doesn't matter where my daughter is. Amen. These are people in camp that have stripped themselves naked, that are worshiping a golden calf, that have totally said Moses is dead, and we don't know about this God. Aaron, make us a God. But Moses stood on the mountain for them and said, but God, you said they will inherit it. And God could not go over his own word. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. It's not how good you are. It's not whether you measure up. It's not whether you've met the requirement. He already met the requirement. 2,000 years ago, the lamb was kept up. It was found to be perfect. It paid the price, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because he paid the price, our inheritance is sure. And because he paid the price, Revelation 5 could come to pass in our day. Oh, what's Revelation 5? The Lamb could step forward from the eternities for a purpose to claim the inheritance. Not for himself, but for you, because it's your inheritance. 
all that Adam and Eve lost must be restored back to the rightful heirs. Because there are squatters on the land just like there was in the book of Joshua. But we must possess the land. We must possess the land. We need to know where we are. We need to know who we are. I just thought to go through, excuse me if I go through a few quotes here, I thought rather than just reading them to you, I'd put them up on the screen, and uh, uh, that way we could maybe be a little more focused together, it being a Wednesday night. Now this is out of the message, uh, um, well, I'll come to, I think it's Revelation chapter 5. And Brother Bram's describing Revelation chapter 5 here, and he says, now our kinsman has handed the seven-sealed book of redemption from the original owner. When we lost it at the Garden of Eden through Adam, it went back to the original owner. But there's been a poacher on the land, a squatter, that's Satan. Now, Satan is not just squatting on the land. He's actually squatting on our inheritance, telling you you can't have your inheritance. That's the same as what was happening to Israel. They weren't just sitting in the land saying, oh, we're just holding it for you. No, they're saying you can't have it over our dead bodies, literally. And that's how Israel had to take the land. And you've got to take the land by faith away from the devil. All right? says, he come over, he's a poacher. The earth don't belong to him. It belongs to God. But he's a poacher, a squatter. And then he says, man, I could say something right now, but I better not. All right. He says, it is the title deed of our redemption, this seven-sealed book. I'm not going to go into all the details of it. As soon as I heard Brother Tom mention he might go there on Sunday, Lord, may Brother Tom forgive me. <laughs> He said, this seven-sealed book, it's the title deed. You wait till we get into those seals. Now, this is before the seals. It says, we, he breaks the seals, reveals, gives us his inheritance to his people. He gives the inheritance that he inherited by becoming kinsman redeemer and freely gives it out to us. It all belonged to him. He was the one who redeemed. But instead of keeping it himself, he gives it back to the people. That's his love for us. Amen. Now, nowhere in there does it say because the people are so good. Or because they're such a wonderful people. Or because they've behaved themselves so well. No, it's because of his love for us. For his great love wherewith he loved us. God rich in mercy. Amen. Over in the breach message, just to nail down the thought of title deed here, he says, uh, it's redemption means all legal possession to all that was lost by Adam and Eve. Oh my, what that ought to do to a born again Christian. We could stop and preach the whole service on that thought. What ought that to do? What, what is laying in the revealed word of the hour? What is laying in these books? The revelation of your inheritance. It's laying here. It previously was not known on the earth because it was sealed with seven seals. But now it's revealed for those that are upon the earth. It's revealed so that you can possess it. Brother Tom was saying to you that are born again, there's more. 
there's more. Where is the more? It's right here. I just grabbed these off the back table as I went by. I, I got leadership message, the invasion of the United States. When I got leadership again, I see leadership comes in two colors, whichever one matches your outfit, blue or gray. And uh, so you can have this message just simply by asking Brother Matthew, his team, they print these out. They don't just print them out to look nice. They're nice looking books, Brother Matthew. Good job. But they're more than that. This inheritance that was previously sealed, which is your inheritance, which you are to possess. But how do you know what to possess unless you know what the inheritance is? Because he says it's legal possession to the abstract deed. Now, don't mistake abstract deed and title deed because abstract and title is two different things. I'll just leave that there. And he says title deed of eternal life means that you possess. This means that you possess everything that Adam and Eve lost. That's why this message came. To tell you this is what you possess. This is just one book. There's 1,200 messages. This is just one of them. What's the purpose of it? To tell you what you possess. I better keep going here. I'll never get through it all. He says, manifested sons of God. He says, then did you notice Moses, that great miracle performer that brought Israel down through the land and brought them up to the promised land, but did not place their inheritance to them. He did not give them their inheritance. He led them up to the land, but Joshua divided the land to the people. He says in Christ, and I'm just giving, this is just some foundational stuff here. Don't worry about trying to place everything. But he says in Christ brought the church up to the place to where their possession was made to them. He's taking, he's talking about the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. He says, to where their possession was made to them, was given to them, just the Jordan to cross. All right? He says, but the Holy Spirit is the one who sets the church in order. The Joshua of today puts the church in its order, giving to each one gifts, places, position. He is the voice of God speaking to the inner man that Christ has saved, the Holy Spirit. So Brother Adam showing us now, he says, Christ at Calvary, right up to Calvary, paid the price for our inheritance now. Now we know redempt, the full redemption is not till the end, Revelation 5, but at Calvary was the price paid. And he said, now the price was paid there. He brought you right to your inheritance. But the only way to get it is to get the Holy Ghost. Because you got to cross Jordan. You can't just come up to Jordan and say, well, I believe Jesus died for my sins. And I believe in Jesus. I believe the Bible. I believe all these. No, you got to get the Holy Ghost. You got to be changed. The inner man yearns for that nature change. Maybe get into that in a little bit. Now, he says, as I was with Moses, just, just foundational again. Oh, I, I got to stop here on something just a moment. Won't take me but a minute. Many people refer to the promised land, refer the promised land to the millennium. It is not. The promised land had wars and killings. The millennium won't have any wars or killings. It referred to the Holy Spirit, the battleground. 
All right, so where's the battle? When you get the Holy Spirit. When you cross Jordan. All right, there was battles on the other side of Jordan. Don't, don't think, well, you know, how come I'm already having battles and I, I don't have the Holy Ghost? Well, get the Holy Ghost. You got the power to overcome the battles. All right. And he says, he says there's three stages of their journey. They left Egypt under justification, believing the word. They separated themselves from the Egyptians and come out. They crossed the Red Sea and killed the things behind them, which was sanctification through the blood that kills all the human desires of evil, second stage of the journey. But the third stage was when they crossed Jordan into the promised land where their inheritance laid. All right. So in the promised land was the inheritance. They had to cross Jordan to get to the inheritance. You got to get the Holy Ghost. That gives you the inheritance, which is the abstract that proves it's yours. We won't go into that. But nevertheless, in all of that, there's all of these stages of the journey. The important part is you got to get across Jordan. When you get across Jordan, you're in the inheritance. We'll come back to that. Now I might say, well, you know, I thought the Lamb redeemed the inheritance. Well, no, when you get the Holy Ghost, you got the inheritance. All right? But we'll just see what that means here. And when this great thing taken place, when each one of them Hebrew mothers in their travailing in the childbirth called out like Reuben, that placed him positionally in the Palestine exactly the way the mother said and called his name. Now he begins to speak about predestination, your name on the book, the foreknowledge of God, the mother catching the inspiration of the Spirit, calling the name of the child to place it positionally in the land. He says, I don't have it all wrote down here, but say Reuben means sheep herder, or Gad means cattle raiser, and Ephraim means corn raiser. Now by spiritual discernment, Joshua, the new leader by spiritual discernment, placed each one where he belonged, divided the land just exactly. All right. So you don't even know where you belong without crossing Jordan. You don't even know where you belong till you got the Holy Ghost. Then the Holy Ghost begins to reveal to you and begins to show you things about yourself that you never knew, and it's all in here. All right, I'm going to keep coming back to that. He goes on, same message. A very beautiful type of today that we need a Joshua for today. You can't live without Joshua. You can't be placed without Joshua. You're not crossing Jordan without Joshua. Joshua is the type of the Holy Ghost. Like I said, Brother Branham's the typologist, not me. And he's the one that's describing these things. He says, the trouble today is that we are coming to our promised land. Get, now, the trouble today, when we are coming to our promised land. All right, so now he's talking. You got the Holy Ghost. You've come into the land, but there's trouble. He said, Gad wants to raise sheep like Ephraim. One wants to raise something like the other. Every man wants to be the same. Let God give one man a gift of healing, and every man wants a gift of healing. You see? It's all in the land, but you can't all live at Jericho. You can't all live at Jerusalem. 
You can't all live in the cities of refuge. The cities of refuge are for a certain purpose. The land was divided, and and Joshua goes into great detail of the dividing of the land by inspiration and by lot and how it all measures it out because there's a purpose. Once you've crossed Jordan, you must be placed in your inheritance. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll just leave it there. He says, and all of them wants to mix it all up and come as one. But we are divided in our positions. All don't have the gift of wisdom. I was asked a question about the gifts of the Spirit. Here's here's the answer to the brother that asked me the question. All don't have the gift of wisdom. All don't prophesy. All don't speak with tongues. All are not prophets. But God has said in the church. Then he says, whew. God has said in the church, some that prophesy, some that speak with tongues, we want, we want to make them all speak it in tongues. Now he's, of course, dealing with the age that he's ministering to, the mostly the Pentecostal idea of the Holy Ghost, because once you've got the Holy Ghost, you're in the inheritance. But you might not even know what the inheritance is that you're in. But the Holy Spirit is to place you in your inheritance. But if everybody looks at the inheritance and is all going to the same position, he says, then it's just confusion. He says, you can't get nowhere. He says, why the Philistines would take them over in a little bit, sure. But when each man by a leader separated them by spiritual discernment and placed them into the body. I'm not talking about men in the body of Christ telling you who you are. God needs to tell you who you are. And I'll say, God has told you who you are. All right? It's laying in the message of the hour. Oh, Brother Tim, I need to know who I are. The answers are there. It's all laying in the word. If you're not beholding your inheritance, you're not going to know who you are and where you should be placed. And so he placed them into the body. There they remain to become the cream of the earth. God, give us a Joshua. God, give us back a Joshua that will hold the commission with the word. That's the way God told him. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, for thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For he had a commission before him. You will divide the land for the people. This is the season of the inheritance. Joshua parallels Ephesians. We've come to the last days. Now is our time. Now is the time for you to possess your inheritance. We've been talking about the Holy Ghost. The ministry has been talking about the Holy Ghost since camp, during camp, the importance of the Holy Ghost, applying the blood, all of those things. That's very, very important. But once you've crossed into the land, it's important that you know, I must come to my place. And it's only the word that takes you to your place. All right. Church Choosing Law for Grace, 1961. We're working up to something here. He says, Jordan means death. You got to die out to yourself before you cross over. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the new birth. He says, that's right. Go over there. People live in a lukewarm condition. The Bible said so. He says, then brethren out there on the mountain, they were blessed. He's talking about the wilderness, going around the mountain. He says, they were blessed. They prospered. Well, they had plenty to eat. Manna fell out of heaven. 
That was all right, but they were still out of the promise. Just like the Laodicean church, the Pentecostal church age. They've got the blessings, but God didn't deal with them. He couldn't take them to the promised land because they wasn't conditioned to go until they got to a place that they realized that they were dead to their theories. That's the intellectual preaching Brother Branham was talking about, where people would take and probe at the word and not recognize the anointed word of the hour. And until they realize that they're dead in their theories, their denominational ideas and man-made creeds and dogmas, which we'll come back to that. But he says, until they were dead to that, they can't cross over because Jordan is death to self. You can't get the Holy Ghost until you die out to yourself. And when you die, how do I get the Holy Ghost? Just die out to yourself. Just lay your ambitions down. Lay your ideas down. Lay your own inspirations down and say, God, I'm all yours. And then God will come and fill you with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he said he would. He says, then God took them over. Amen. So what was Brother Bradham doing? He was trying to get Pentecost to cross over. He says, you think you got the Holy Ghost, but your nature hasn't changed. You got blessings, I don't want to get into all of that, but you got blessings and you got gifts and you got this and you got that, but you haven't crossed over. Listen, I, I was raised amongst them. I know what he's talking about. All right, Revelation of Jesus Christ, church age book. Here we go now. You still with me? All right. He says, now, I wish you could stand with me. Now, he's talking about exposing the enemy. Because that's what happens when the devil is exposed, he loses his power. All right? And that's important. And many times, a lot of preaching is to expose the devil. Uh, Actually, as I think Tim Pruitt said at camp, preaching is to cast out the devil. That's exactly what happens. By the, the light of the word shining on that darkness, it drives the darkness back. It drives the enemy away. He says, I wish you could stand with me and see the faces of people when Satan knows he is going to be exposed. Now, it isn't the people that I'm talking about. It is that Satan has got a hold of their lives now through sin, indifference, and disease. All right, so it's not just sin. Sometimes it's just indifference, carelessness, or sometimes it's disease, It isn't even that the person isn't a believer, but they got something. But the devil's trying to tell them that that's part of their inheritance, and it's not part of their inheritance. The devil is squatting on their land. And so the the word comes to drive the devil away. He says, but you should see their faces. Satan knows he's going to be exposed, and the most peculiar changes comes over the people's countenances. I've seen it in services and different times where I've seen something on somebody, and you start preaching down a certain way, and all of a sudden you see their, their expressions change. You know you've hit the mark. All right? I'll just leave that there. Satan is afraid. He knows that the Spirit of God is about to let the people know of his works. That is why he hates these meetings so much. When names are called and diseases revealed, Satan hates it. Now, what is this? It is not mind reading. Anybody say amen to that? It's not mind reading. It's not telepathy, nor is it witchcraft. Witchcraft. 
it is a revelation by the Holy Ghost. That is the only way I can know it. Of course, the carnal mind will call it anything but the Holy Ghost. He says, now remember this, Christ in the true church is a continuation of the book of Acts. But the book of Revelation shows how that the Antichrist spirit would come into the church and defile it, making it lukewarm, formal, and powerless. Now, I skipped a little bit in the church age book here to get to this. It exposes Satan, revealing his works, attempted destruction of God's people and discrediting of God's word, right down to the time he is cast into the lake of fire. He fights that. He cannot stand it. All right? So he's talking about the book of Revelation in the Bible. It says it exposes the devil, and, and he does not like the Word of God to be revealed. He likes to discredit the Word of God. He likes to destroy God's people by taking their faith in the Word away from them or to somehow get them distracted. Remember, I'm preaching about distraction from inheritance. And so as, as all of this, he, he just hates the Word of God and particularly the revelation of the Word of God because he knows if we know what he's up to, he has no power. Amen. It's as simple as that. He knows that if the church, the people rather, get the true revelation of the true church and what she is and what she stands for and that she can do the greater works, she will be an invincible army. A what? An invincible army. Well, how does she get there? By getting the true revelation of the church, what she is and what she stands for. That she gets a revelation of her inheritance. What she is was written on the book. What she stands for is written on the book. What she, that she can do the greater works, that's always been a part of the book because your name is in the book and the book is Christ and you're a part of him and you're his expression in this hour and Satan hates that. He wants to remind you of your weaknesses. If we have time, we'll come to that. He wants to remind you of, of how uh, exposed you are and how weak you are in yourself. That has nothing to do with it. Revelation, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I guess I could read the rest of the quote and get there, couldn't I? He says, if they get a true revelation of the two spirits working within the framework of the Christian church and by God's spirit discern and withstand the Antichrist spirit, the spirit that is against the word. Antichrist, anti-word. Satan will be powerless before her. Notice he doesn't say partially powerless or wounded. Or, or weakened. He says, powerless. If she gets the true revelation of who she is, what she stands for, that she can yet do the greater works when she's walking in revelation, when she's stimulated with the revelation of the word, when she's possessing her inheritance, Satan is powerless before her. He will be as definitely thwarted, thwarted today as when Christ withstood his every effort to gain power over him in the desert. Yes, Satan hates revelation, but we love it. Amen, Amen Lord. Amen. Open your word to us afresh tonight. With true revelation in our lives, the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, but we will prevail over them. Amen. Amen. All right. 
just a little bit of a background for us. So the church has always had the Holy Ghost. In every age, the Holy Ghost puts the believer in the inheritance. But the inheritance is not fully revealed until the last days. That's why Brother Branham said the Holy Ghost in the church is bound. His, his actual words is the Holy Ghost is bound by creeds and dogmas. Why is it bound? By a misunderstanding, creed and dogmas, intellectual preaching. Men probing at the word of God, trying to understand things that are not for this age or not being called to the full revelation of the word down through the ages. Because of that, the Holy Spirit cannot move in the full power that it wants to move. But when in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound all the mystery of God, shall be finished. That's why the devil wants to rob you of the revelation that Revelation 10 is fulfilled. He wants to rob you of the revelation that Malachi 4 has come, that the Elijah ministry has come in this day because there's got to come a revelation that will give the church the true revelation of herself that will make the devil powerless before her. That's our day. That's our message. That's our light that we're walking in. This is the season. Now again, I'll say the church through every age has had the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost brings them into the promised land. But it wasn't when Israel took Jericho that Joshua divided the land. It wasn't when they crossed over that he divided the land. It was the beginning of the division of the land. But there had to come a time after seven years, after seven ages, where God says to Joshua, all right, you're getting older now. He says, you need to divide the land like I told you was your commission. Amen. It's been the commission of the church or the Holy Spirit down through the church ages. But now's the time to fully make known your inheritance. Now's the time to fully make known who you are. Are you with me so far? And so God takes us by the anointed word that is revealed for the hour to show us the truth of who we are. Because when the bride recognizes who she is. Now listen now, it's not when the bride is born again. Born again does not cause you to recognize who you are. I got a two-year-old son sitting back there, Gideon. He doesn't know who he is, but he's got life. I love Brother Murphy's analogy. When an apple blossom is germinated and becomes an apple, and you get a little green pod of fruit, you don't immediately take it off the tree and take a bite out of it. It's sour. It's not fully mature. It's not fit to eat yet. You have to wait for it to grow and grow and ripen and ripen. And the bride needs to come across Jordan and lay in the presence of the sun. Lay in the presence of the Word of God until she really knows who she is. Let the Holy Ghost bring you to the place He wants to bring you to. This is good for young people because they say, well, I had an experience with God. Good. Keep on going. Keep on growing. Keep on feeding. Keep beholding the Word of God. Keep living in the mysteries revealed because then you will become what God has determined you will become.
Amen. Now again, I'll say you can't get to the promised land without the Holy Ghost. You got to cross Jordan. If you haven't crossed Jordan, if you haven't died out to yourself, if your nature hasn't changed, you need to cross Jordan. You need to come to that place with God till you'll know it's not you, but Christ who lives in you. Amen. Now the soul of the predestinated, and that's the wonderful thing, the soul of the predestinated craves the new birth. The seed craves germination. All right? It's not satisfied with anything less. That inner realm, that soul realm can only be satisfied with a changed nature taking on God's own nature in the inside of the inside. Now the devil has lots of ways of temporarily stimulating the human spirit and the flesh. Amen? He's got lots of distractions, lots of ways to grab your attention even after you get the new birth. Because what he wants is to distract you from your inheritance. He wants to distract you from the revealing that's going on in your life. From the Holy Spirit in you, leading you through the Word of God and bringing you into the image that God has predestinated you to. You can go to Ephesians 4, and it shows what the ministry is to do in Ephesians 4. It's to bring the body to perfection. It's to bring us to the fullness of the measure of the stature of a perfect man. It's to bring us into the very image of Jesus Christ. That is our inheritance. If you're claiming anything less, less than Christ on display, you're falling short. Say, oh, Brother Tim, I make mistakes every day. Sure, because of this flesh. Because it's susceptible to attacks of the enemy. But be yet in spite of that, God is still moving us on in the revelation of the word till he finally brings the final revelation into the church. Rapturing revelation or rapturing faith. A revelation so great, it's even going to change our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. We've heard these things before, but we need to rejoice in them. Say, oh God, what a message we have. What a revelation you brought us into. We've crossed over Jordan to Canaan's fair land. Oh, this is like heaven to me. It's not heaven yet, but it's like heaven. When we get alone with the word of God, it's like heaven. There's nothing like being in his presence, feeding on his word. I was just on my knees today just saying, Lord, I love your word. I love your word. Forgive me for being distracted. The distractions of life, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of living in Canada. I'm sorry, the deceitfulness of riches. Listen, they're not distracted like you are over there in Africa. They're not distracted like you are over there in India, many places of the world. They're starting to get more distracted, but they're not as distracted as you are because they don't have the wealth that you have, that I have. You say, oh, Brother Tim, I can hardly make ends meet. No, I can hardly make ends meet either. But yet in the midst of it all, I drive a car. My wife has a car. We live in a nice house. We got clothes on our back. We got food, a freezer full of food. I hope nobody from Africa is watching this service. 
You know, they, they don't have things over there that we take for granted here. And, and, and we often just almost disdain, but it's a distraction. I'm a simple guy. I don't know whether you believe me or not. But I'm a simple guy. We have so much. I always ask my wife, she puts the food on the table at supper. She's going to shoot me for this one. And, and I say, what is it? Well, she said, I thought I'd try something new. I said, but I like the old. <laughs> You're always wanting to try something new. But that's the luxury that we have. Right. We're not eating the same meal, meal after meal after meal barely able to provide for ourselves. The luxuries that we enjoy, it's like a smorgasbord all the time. Come on, saints. I'm talking about distraction. It's not just simple. Life becomes complicated. You know, I had to change my internet at home the other day. I had to go from copper to fiber optic because they said if anything happens to the copper, they won't fix it anymore. So I had to move over to the fiber optic. I didn't want to move to fiber optic. I thought, I'm, I'm happy with what I got. But they said, well, now you've got to move over. The, the, the progress of mankind. Everything becomes more modern. Anybody got a cell phone on them? You got a cell phone on you? No? Who's got a cell phone here? Someone lend me your device. I won't read your text. It's okay. All right. I left mine in the office. Here's a, here's a device. God bless you, it's not an iPhone. <laughs> and uh, now my dad has a cell phone. And I, he was at my house for lunch the other day, and he's got an old flip phone. Okay? It doesn't do anything but make calls and receive calls. That's all he does. And when his generation looks at this thing, it's just a phone. That's all it is. It's just for voice, right? I talk to somebody, I hang up. That's all there is to this thing. Now, my generation, and I'll say from my age down a little bit, this is a communication device. All right, it's not just a phone. I use it for emails. I use it for texting. I don't hardly use it for anything else. Maybe I can check the news on it or whatever. But it becomes more of a communication, a more broad-scale communication device as the advancement of technology has moved through and we've picked up on it in our lives. But now this younger generation, these young men and young women that are here, this is like a third hand. All right? They got right hand, left hand, and cell hand. All right? They can't seem to put it down. They're attaching. Now, I'm not mocking that, okay? I'm saying... This is an issue with technology because the devil wants to distract you from your inheritance. And the more distraction, he's made it. So this is, what is the word? Necessary in life? It's evil, yes. Amen. It's a necessary evil in life. It's a piece of the tree of knowledge that we all have become tethered to. And the, and the more we become accustomed to it. Now, the problem is, now, young people, I'm just going to highlight something for you here. All right? Been looking at this, but was talking to a brother about it the other day. 
This is no longer just a mute or a simple device in your hand. This is now something that men have studied the tree of knowledge, how to gain and hold your attention. Psychologists, programmers, everybody designs their applications, whether it's, and I don't even like to use names because if I don't hit the one you use, you'll think you're okay. But whether it's Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or Pinterest, I'll just name the top ones that come off the top of my head anyway. Um, and there's others out there. You know who they are. WhatsApp and, and uh, YouTube and all of these things. They're not just simple little apps anymore that just give you access to information. They are now designed. I want you to listen to me. They are now designed by psychologists to make it so you cannot put it down. That's the reality of the age we're living in. So they've actually designed this thing now, and that's why the screens are getting better, and the power's getting better, and the video's getting better, and everything's getting better. Thank you, Brother Nathan. It's all getting better for one purpose, to hold your attention. Because the devil wants to keep you from looking at your inheritance. He wants to stop you from seeing who you are. And he'll use any method that he can use. He doesn't care if you got the Holy Ghost. He knows if you don't know who you are, he still has power. If you're ignorant of the inheritance that God has given you, Satan still has something coming at you. He still is the one that is able to trip you up and stumble you. But we, the Bible says, we have been made partakers of the divine nature. All right? And I'm speaking to believers. I'm speaking to Holy Ghost-filled believers tonight. He said, the Bible says, God has made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That Colossians chapter 1. Hebrews 3 says, we are partakers of a heavenly calling. We are partakers of a heavenly calling. We are the elect of God who has been called to a higher calling. And the only tool the devil has anymore once you got the Holy Ghost is to distract you. Is to grab your attention and try and hold it in whatever way he can. And so we, as we look at the promised land that we have crossed into by the Holy Ghost, the battle is to kick the squatter off the land. As, jo as God told Joshua, there's still much land to possess. Brother Biscoll hit on it a few weeks ago. He says there's still much land to possess. There's still much that we can do for God. Oh, let's shake off our earthly garments. Let's shake off our earthly tethers. The things that bind us to our humanity and our weaknesses that the devil keeps punching at. Hello. I don't need to name them. You know what they are. There's no preacher needs to tell you what your problems are. You know what they are. But let me tell you something. Shake off the devil's distractions and begin to look into this glass. 
this mirror of the word of God and behold yourself and beholding it you are changed into the same image from glory to glory to glory hallelujah sorry I just get excited about it you know it's interesting what, what has come in the message of the hour when I think about it I won't have time to finish this tonight but what's interesting what what has come in this message of the hour because when I think about all that Brother Branham preached before the seals all right and I'm not trying to separate before the seals from after the seals I'm just making a point here and we had the ministry of Malachi 4 we had the stored up food we had the change of ministry we had a prophet ministry that made this Bible come alive come alive he brought the God of this Bible out of history and into a present day reality that was his ministry to prove this God still lives that he's still the same yesterday today and forever that this word of God is still in effect we had all that before the seals we had all that before the word become fully open, evidenced by that Elijah ministry. But when the seals come open, when the seals were taken off the mysteries, as Brother Branham said, and, it, and I'll say it this way, and it showed us that there is still much land to possess. Think of what was possessed before the opening of the word. But it showed us there's still more to possess. We didn't even fully understand marriage and divorce. Until the seals came off. I don't want to get on that subject. But a lot of people, and you know, a lot of people are half deaf when you talk about marriage and divorce. Because all they hear about is divorce. You know, I, I just want divorce. No, the secret of marriage and divorce is also how to have a marriage. Glory to God. It's laying there in the inheritance. How to have the right kind of a marriage. I'll say without this message... My first marriage, and obviously my second, for those of you that don't know that are watching on the internet, my wife did pass away. I'm not double married. All right. And so, but my first marriage would never have lasted without this inheritance. I went to church. I experienced God. I knew the supernatural before I came to the message. Doesn't mean I was born again, but I, I knew what the supernatural was. I seen God do things, but that didn't do anything for me in my marriage until the word became open to me. And that mystery of marriage, the invisible union of a heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride, Christ, the mystery of God revealed all of those things laying there in my inheritance and I didn't know it. We didn't know about Melchizedek before the word became open. We didn't know about the rapture, the real rapture, before the word became open. We didn't understand these things of the shout, the voice, and the trumpet. We didn't even correctly understand the token before the mysteries were unveiled and the, the seals come off the word. And there laying in our inheritance was a true token, the reality of the life of Christ in the believer Hallelujah. Glory to God. We didn't even understand the seed of God. What it meant to be a seed of God. It, was even, it wasn't even until right down at the very end that God began to emphasize it through Brother Branham. You're a predestinated seed. It's the gene of God. 
It's, it's an attribute that becomes expressed. It's, it's sprinkled throughout the message. But then at the end, God makes sure, don't miss this. You're a part of me. That's your inheritance. Lord, help me tonight. You got to claim it as your own. You got to be like Caleb in the land. Give me my mountain. I don't care about Reuben's mountain. That's nice that he has a mountain. It's nice that that Joshua or that Judah's got their land. It's nice that this one's got this and that one's got that. But I want my mountain. Give me what's mine out of this word. Lord, quicken this to me personally. No, I'm not just going to a message church to say that I'm in the land. Oh, I'm, I'm in the message church. I'm in the land. That's got nothing to do with it. You're in the land by the new birth. The revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. And when that revelation, that's the first revelation you got to get. And it begins to open up revelation upon revelation upon revelation. Showing you that you too are part of an invincible army. I got to bring this to a close here. We're winding down quickly coming out of time. I want you to notice, you know, we see different things in the book of Joshua. Chapter 1 to chapter 4 is all about the crossing over, the Jordan, the new birth, recircumcision, all of those things, which things we won't go into, which things are ministered on in different ways. The Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why why do you keep preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Isn't it, aren't we deeper than that? Well, we better be deeper than that, but you're not getting deeper until you get there. We better be far beyond Jordan now, but you better make sure you're across Jordan because without crossing Jordan, you're not going any deeper. It has to be on the basis of the new birth. And then after they crossed over, of course, Jericho is conquered and uh, uh, they they eat of the fruit of the land, etc. And then in the taking of Jordan or taking of Jericho, I'm sorry. Now, remember. Satan is only a squatter on your inheritance. He's only trying to get you to back down from possessing it. He's built all kinds of armaments, walls. He's tried to make you fear a cultural wall. Or make you fear a family wall is the way our family always has been. Or trying to make you fear a relationship wall. Or this is, this is as far as we've been able to go in our relationship. I say nonsense. Amen. The mystery is revealed. Amen. Say, oh, oh, you know, uh, my children or, or this or that. It's, he's got all kinds of walls. He's got all kinds of giants. He's got all kinds of fortifications. And it's all a bluff because God has given you the land. He's promised it to you and he cannot lie. It's because he said so. It's not because I figured it out. But I know if I lay in the presence of the son that it'll ripen me to the maturity to possess the land. Literally, if you went, and I trust it doesn't take us this long, but if you go to the full possession of the land, read all that Joshua writes in the book of Joshua and talk about the full possession of the land, it doesn't actually come till David takes Jerusalem. 490 years. That's how long it took them 
to fully possess the land, and then the millennium under Solomon. Oh, and everybody's gone. That's a long time, Brother Tim. I don't have 490 years. Praise the Lord, but we've come down to the end of time. Amen. The time should be no longer delayed. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, all the mystery is finished. Amen. Now remember, never mind, I'll skip that part. You can just wonder about what it was when you go home. (laughs) Now how was Joshua successful? By staying in the Word. You meditate day and night. God says, Joshua 1, be strong and of a good courage. Unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Only be strong and courageous. Observe to do all according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Turn not from the right or the left that thou mayest prosper. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. We know we're not under the law, but we're under the word. This book of the word shall not depart out of your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Let your thoughts be on the word. Let your mind be steadfast on the word of God. For your inheritance has become open to you by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you must drive off the squatter from your land. Because it's your inheritance. But if you meditate therein day and night and observe to do, therein thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Thou shalt have good success. And then God says, have not I commanded you. To me, that's what the message is all about. He has commanded us. This is my inheritance. It doesn't matter if all of you disbelieve it. I will possess my inheritance. It's not based on you. It's not based on you. It's my personal revelation. But I'm convinced that I'm not the only one in this place that has that revelation. What else are you doing here Wednesday night? You haven't just come because it's the popular place to be. It's not popular to be here. But there's something on the inside of the inside that says, I want more. As you heard on Sunday, and there is more. And I want more. All right? Now, bring this to a close. If I can talk about Achan just for a moment. Not to be negative. But I want to just highlight one thing here. Achan was in the inheritance, but he wasn't possessing the inheritance. When it finally came down to expose him for his problems, it came to him this way. Joshua chapter 7. This is his own testimony. He says, When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, when I saw on the inter- um, when I saw on this website, when I saw he was distracted. When I saw a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them. Listen, God says, I give you the land. I give you all of it, from the great sea to the river Euphrates, from Lebanon down to Egypt. It's all yours. 
I give it to you. But he got distracted on this little distraction. And it robbed him of his inheritance. Come on, saints. And he says, I took them. I coveted them and took them. And they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Listen, I don't need to go. I'm not here to preach against things. But I'll tell you what, as I'm reading this, I'm sure God is dealing with you somewhere. God's dealing with someone in this place, in their life, that says, get rid of that Babylonian garment. Get rid of that distraction out of your life. Get rid of that thing that's constantly tripping you up. I've given you the land. Get into the word. Get into your inheritance. And don't let the devil distract you from it. Brother Adam says in God's provided way, he talks about distractions. He says there's so many emotions and so many things, so many things to distract us from the spirit today. What is the devil playing on? Your emotions. Now, what did he play on with Achan? His emotions. Oh, there's a, that's a nice garment. Look at that gold and that silver. Nobody will miss it because nobody knows it's there. It'll just be me. But it's robbing you from your inheritance, Achan. He says in another message, he's, he's coming right down to the end. And he's, and he's identified Christ of all ages, 1964, he says. He begins to tell about the woman. He says, one time there was a woman and Jesus was passing through the country and crossed over the sea, and he went into a place. And there was a woman that had a blood issue. And all the priests and them was out, and they was making fun of him, of course, and this bunch out there believed him. And he was going through the crowd, and the woman said within her heart, and then Brother Branham stops. He says, now listen close. He says, are you listening? Say amen, he says. The congregation says, amen. Says, all right, now the woman. And then he stops again. What is he trying to do? Watch what he's trying to do. He explains it. He says, see, anything distracts from what you're doing. Says, every person. He says, I'm not dealing with you as a body. I'm dealing with you as a spirit, a soul. He says, and that moving you got your mind going somewhere else. Says, I'm trying to get a hold of that. I don't believe it was just Brother Brandon. I believe it was the Holy Spirit through Brother Brandon. Says, I'm trying to get a hold of your mind. I'm trying to focus your thoughts. I'm trying to bring you something that will help you. I'm trying to put it in your hands so you can possess it and so that the devil will become powerless in your life. He says, I'm trying to get a hold of that notice. He says, there was a man that looked upon Paul earnestly. And Paul said, I perceive you have faith to be healed. Then then he goes off and he finishes the story. But I want to say it this way. Peter and John go into the temple and and there's a man there that's lame. And and he's he's just saying alms for the poor. and, and, And they stop. And he's just, he sees the stop. Maybe he's looking at their feet. He just, you know, looking for some alms. And they say, look on us. In other words, I want your full attention. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you. Don't be distracted by silver and gold. 
Don't be distracted by alms. Don't be distracted, young people, by that device that is glued to your hand. Don't be distracted by the devil's distraction. God's trying to give you something. It says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the lame man received faith to be healed and rose up and went into the temple. And walking, the Bible says, and leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. I'm sure he never leapt when he got a coin in the bucket. Or a little piece of gold. Or a little something else. But now he got something that was worth more than this world had to offer. Hallelujah. What an inheritance. Everything that Adam and Eve lost has been redeemed in this hour. We've come to the full revelation of the Word of God. Your inheritance lays right there. But remember, as the musicians come, I want to say it this way. In the message Christ revealed in his own word, word, Brother Branham talks about it. He said, I was just talking to a young minister and his wife in the room a few moments ago. He says, and both of them are nervous just like the rest of the world. The rest of the human beings on the earth. And I said, remember, Satan's got a punch coming at you. I don't care who you are. He says, he's got a right to that one punch. My. He says, which would you rather be that punch? Be blind? Or be arthritic sitting in a chair? Or be nervous? He's got somewhere he could punch you. He's got a right to that open place. Hello? The Holy Spirit's telling you, you got a weakness and there's nothing you can do about it. Except this. Now that's the spot you got to keep covered all the time. All the time. Because you have an inheritance. And the devil knows that spot. If I, if I could tell you about different things that's going on in technology and stuff, it's amazing how the devil is working in this hour. I'll just say, he knows your number. And you need to keep that spot covered all the time. But even after Joshua and Israel was defeated at AI, I thought that was appropriate, AI, artificial intelligence. And uh, even after they were defeated there and Achan was exposed, the very next chapter, God says, fear not, I have given the king of I into your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah doesn't matter if you've fallen, victory is still yours. When Israel was in the camp defiling themselves, Moses reminded God, but you said they have an inheritance. Hallelujah. It's amazing grace how sweet the sound. Let's stand together. Give me the key. C, G, I don't know where it is. Amazing grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, just take a moment to thank him. Blessed be your name, oh God. We praise you. 
Lord, we thank you for your blessings, your grace, your revealed word, your light that shone on our pathway. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Could we sing that song, Jehovah Jireh? My provider, I think it's in C. Just before we close in prayer, let's make this our confession. He's my provider. Listen, the devil might have your number, but God has your name. Don't ever forget that. The devil might pound you and pound you and pound you and pound you. I say, but he knows my name. He's already wrote it before the foundation of the world. And I know the victory's already won. And if you're being pounded, why don't you just confess tonight, he's my provider. He's my healer. He's the one that provides all of my needs. Jehovah Jireh. Heavenly Father, that is our confession. You're our provider. You're our healer. You're our banner. You're always with us, oh God. You're encamped around about those unworthy people that you have redeemed by your own blood. It's amazing grace, Lord. We love you, Lord. Father, would it be too much to say thank you for loving us? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you care. That we can cast our burdens on you, Lord. Thank you for every soul that's gathered together tonight with their lick of fire to come and worship you, Lord. Our minds, our eyes, our thoughts are turned to you, Father. Not the preacher, not the musicians, to you, Lord. You're everything, Lord. Draw us nearer, nearer. And Lord, we just want to thank you tonight for all that you've done for us. If there remains a chain unbroken, even now, Lord, may it be broken in the name of Jesus Christ. If there's someone who hasn't crossed Jordan, may they just lay their life down before you now. Say, Lord, my life is yours. Fill me with your spirit, oh God. Put me in my inheritance. Oh God, whatever need is in this place, you are still Jehovah Jireh. Bless those that are watching on the internet. May your presence be right with them there. Somebody maybe stream this in the day ahead. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're eternal. You don't know time. May there be a great ministration given to each and every one. Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. 
It might be just one service, but may it be a step forward in each and every life, Lord, we pray. As we commit ourselves to you on this Wednesday night, it's hard to close, Lord. Just want to say we love you. From the bottom of our hearts, Father, we love you. We commit each other into your hands in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Why don't you turn and shake hands with somebody before you go. Service is dismissed in Jesus' name.